Okay, right, welcome back. We got the insert, guys. Gents, how are you both doing? Hentai Avengers recovered from his uh, terrible hangover last week, which we had to dodge. But uh, yeah, how's it going? <laughs> it's going great, guys. It's quite, I'm glad to be here. Awesome, awesome. Um, yeah, th- thanks, thanks for jumping on. I know you guys have kind of got a lot going on at the minute, so appreciate appreciate spending the time. And uh, hopefully, we can kind of get some uh, get your points across of what you've actually just released. Um, I'd love to get into into the depth of what you guys are building. But um, can we just before we before we get into that, can we just give a bit of background on maybe like how the hell both of you have individually got to where you are now in the space? Just a bit, give a bit of context, maybe. Um, and so we can kind of start with you. Just like what's what's the journey been like up until up until now in this space? Yeah, sure. So uh, yeah, I guess it really starts back in high school. I uh, used to be a huge gamer, and I've always been fascinated by esports. I love competition, and uh, yeah, I just always loved just being online. I was never really the type of person to like go out and uh, you know interact with people. So I uh, just found myself playing video games all day, and eventually just uh, I think there's a huge overlap between the esports and uh you know gambling and uh you know trading and i kind of just found myself in uh traditional markets just trading biotech and equ- or biotech equities for a few years um and yeah i ended up just, i ended up becoming a, a floor tra- a floor trader at merrill lynch for a few months hated it was not fun at all <laughs> and uh i think like around september of 2020 around like the peak of ETH DeFi. I uh, I found myself gambling on food tokens and actual Ponzi's, and I experienced my first ever my first ever rug pull with Chef Nomi on, on sushi, and ever <laughs> since then I've just been trapped here. So I, I joined Insert about a year ago today, and uh, yeah, it's just been it's been uphill ever since. It's been great. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, uh, I I definitely uh, my, my story is gonna be far far less interesting so <laughs> working on the um private market side when it comes to uh dlt and everything when it comes when it comes to on-chain activity for the past i would have to say uh four years have a lot of friends who have been building cool shit be it options amms or yeah doing something more on the institutional side i primarily come from an economics and financial law background and, you know, we've been, a couple of my friends, we've been tinkering around with things in the space for quite a while. I've been helping here and there. Uh, been holding crypto since I would have, I think I started holding oh, fucking Bitcoin. And I remember I bought some Bitcoin back in like 2014 and 2015, uh, even <laughs> earlier than that, I think. I'm not going to say for what, uh, for what <laughs> purposes uh, did I use this to store a value. Don't really want to talk about that here, but definitely. <laughs> but I remember for some reason, like in early 2017, I you know I I just became an inbound user at Coinbase, and you know the the bull run happened, and you know July, August, September, which was really awesome because I was I, I finished up my undergrad and I was going to grad school at that time, so it definitely made the experience a lot better in terms of quality of life. And yeah, I just you know I've been around in the space for quite a while, and I. I think Hentai and I, we, we met like a year and two months ago, right? I think we were just, you know, the whole idea of NSERB was just starting the idea that we can build like an access layer for NFT fine. Yeah, we're time like the uh, the teams, the team formed up. Nice. Yeah. So can you, Hentai, maybe we'll start with you. It's like, can you can you give us a high level of, of what you're building with, with Insert just to kind of give the audience a bit of perspective around that if they haven't kind of stumbled upon you guys yet? Yeah. Um, I think the best way to put it is we're building the, the yearn for NFT finance. Um, a simple way that I like to put it is, hey, if you don't have six figures to dump into a JPEG, we got you covered. You can simply just buy a fractionalized um, or a piece of a, uh, an NFT. Well, we, we do all the hard stuff where we have other lenders we, um, we incorporated with, such as JPEG, where we can earn yield. We can do all that fun stuff. And um, yeah, I mean, Loris, do you want to maybe step in here too? Sure. So uh, fundamentally, there's like philosophy, philosophy behind Insert is built around three premises. 
the first premise is uh, people are doing a lot of cool stuff. Let's not like PFP collections are absolutely amazing, right? I think all of us here hold JPEGs, but it's not just PFPs or digital art, right? Yeah, yeah, music royalties, you have financial NFTs, Uni V3 positions are represented by NFTs. People are doing a lot of cool stuff. So that's premise one. NFTs are how we, you know, it's the future of digital ownership. It's how we scale on-chain ownership. And premise number two is, you know, for any type of ownership, you need credit markets, you need financialization, right? It's only conducive towards, you know, accelerating the adoption of the space by developing tools that allow people to get things cheaper for people to transform their assets into cash bearing or yield bearing assets right so that's premise number two and premise number three is hey you know what if we can take this technology and make it super easy for people to use and therefore make nfts productive or nft finance in general uh make 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 it make, through nft finance allow people to uh make nfts productive and accessible um yeah so right now uh, what we do is we provide people with fractional exposure, not ownership. That's a very important point to uh, existing PFP collections uh, or how we like to think about it. We've reignited uh, interest in some existing collections by taking the mint user journey and kind of like uh, recreating it. And uh, that's what we're doing right now for a V1 or a minimum viable product. Uh, we already have... 3,000 unique wallet interactions, which was something we're super happy about. And we haven't really done any paid marketing or, you know, it's just been organic content marketing so far. But over time, what we want to do with Insert is, um, I would have to say, focus on two things. And the first one is figuring out ways how we can, you know, allow current NFT holders or project creators or asset originators a way to make money without necessarily taking out loans, um, or, or, or levering up with their NFTs um, in, by playing around with the mechanism design that we already have. And, and secondly, whether uh, through kind of like reigniting interest in existing collections, we can create a, a, a mechanism. Well, I have to say we already have. It's just we haven't went live with it yet. We can create a mechanism that kind of changes how people uh, get NFTs in the first place, right? So there's kind of like how we see things. There's like two big problems currently. And I'm going on a tangent. Feel free to interrupt me at any time. It's just, I think. No, no, it's great. Can't see. Think about <laughs> every single day. And, you know, uh, it's, it's what keeps us uh, all, you know, up at night. There's kind of like two fundamental problems when it comes to JPEG distribution or NFT distribution. The first one is that uh for a lot of people out there uh nft mints are rather inaccessible right so there there's a lot of information siloing that uh, there is significant insider advantages right you pretty much have to be terminally online to actually you know buy that buy that moonshot ticket get exposure to that particular new collection and and, and that's pretty accessible un inaccessible for a lot of people and on the other hand you have the secondary market where any asset that's worth you know, your while is going to be pretty expensive. And it's, it's hard to uh, convince people who are new to the space to dish out like two or 3000 or $50,000 mm -hmm. for, for, for something that, you know, is, is, is where, where, where it takes some time for them to grasp the actual utility community and culture around that particular piece of art. So yeah, that's uh So yeah, right now, fractional exposure, but what we really want to solve with insert over time, we're going to be releasing more information about this in the next few months is selling for some of the core problems inherent when it comes to how we distribute NFTs uh, in 2023. Nice. So what, um, so what is the, like the user flow look like let's say i've bought a specific nft collection like what what does what does my kind of user journey look like to deposit onto insert and kind of what's happening on the on the back end for the user there um and it is that completely abstracted away do they have to kind of do any heavy lifting or any kind of heavy due diligence around what's happening with the strategies in the back ends like just the general user journey to make it a bit tangible for people that's a very good, um, that's a great question, by the way, because two days ago we launched the pools feature, which kind of changes like the user journey to a, to, uh, to a significant extent. Uh, but let me talk initially about how we kind of did it previously, right? And, and we're actually, there's, we always have the option to do it the old way as well. So you basically have, uh, we spin up uh, 
a shard vault that accepts deposits. People can deposit into the shard vault. Once the shard vault is filled up, the shard vault purchases an asset that is predetermined from the open market. So for example, a non-floor punk or a floor punk or a milady, etc. And for the user, it's it's been intentionally designed to be as uh, to remind them of, of the minting experience, right? So they hop over to our DAP, they select, you know, the vault that they want. They can see information about the asset, the kind of yield that they're going to get, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. They press a button and voila, they get uh, their position represented by an NFT, by an ERC-1155, right? That they can trade on OpenSea. So if you had to, you know, characterize the user journey, it's go to our DAP, mint a shard, and you can hold the shard or trade it on the secondary market. So it's like a native NFT experience. But as of two days ago, you can go to our DAP and you can deploy capital at any time without waiting for a shard vault to be spun up. Uh, right now, we have a single open pool, which is collection agnostic, where we simply you know, swipe up floor assets from the open market. And by deploying capital into this pool, you actually accrue answer points. And we're going to be launching a three-season campaign for these insert points that will accumulate into a quote-unquote community reward. Nice, that's awesome. So, what, where, um, so what's what kind of strategies happening on the back end, and how, how are those kind of how do you guys kind of think about them, and 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 who's kind of the mastermind behind actually setting those up? Is it a lot of lending? Is it looking at additional NFT five products uh, that are on the market? Are there any kind of Composability features that are happening with, um, as I say, additional NFT five products, or what's what's kind of happening there? Sure. So uh, for our V one or our MVP, we mostly what we do is we collateralize uh, we collateralize the asset, the underlying asset. So some kind of let's say let's just say punk, right? Uh, we take a loan against it and we put that money somewhere, right? Uh, we put it to good use. So it's more or less interest rate spread capture. And so far, we have integrations with several different lenders, uh, allowing us to collateralize these NFTs using uh, peer-to-pool and peer-to-protocol primitives uh, or, or, or lending primitives. For example, uh, for example, JPEG is an example of a peer-to-protocol primitive. And we also have peer-to-peer -peer integrations uh, what I mean by that is we can use NFT Phi, uh, the protocol and not the category or the industry as a settlement layer for any uh, lender that wants to be a counterparty. And then we have a bunch of integrations with other uh, primitives in the space, uh, including JPEGs, the Citadel, Spice Finance. And we use these, um, we use these partners through our contracts architecture to generate yield for our users. I forgot to mention, you know, users don't really have at, at the current stage of our product, you don't really have to think about anything. It's, it's completely set up for get. And uh, the kind of like the idea is you already have like spot uh, exposure by buying that fractional piece, that shard, and you can trade it. And the yield, we see it as a cherry on top for to incentivize users to stay in that long position. Nice. Is there, is there any, this might be a bit wacky, but is there any kind of potential future where you can get whitelisted users who have suggested strategies and maybe they've got their own shadow vaults where they could earn a, a small commission on a, a specific strategy? Is that, is that kind of too far out the question or am I kind of getting ahead of myself there? No, I think it's a great question. It's actually like the original thesis of Insert. The idea really was to offer, so the idea was that the core team would offer, uh, we build out the mechanisms, the systems, uh, initially test some of those mechanisms and then we bring community strategists on board to uh, manage, to both design and manage strategies based on the technology, the integrations of the composability that's on offer on the protocol. But what we realized that this kind of like lab or kind of like portfolio approach, it's actually really, really hard to do that and to execute mm -hmm. on that at an early stage. And uh, secondly, uh, we're not sure at this point in time whether there will be, you know, sufficient enough of latitude for people to really, you know, 
uh, build and propose and manage strategies why their own walls that wouldn't be tremendously P PVP, right? So this is something that kind of like what you're saying uh, was, or, or, or that suggestion or that idea is, uh, that was exactly on point on where our thinking was like six or seven months ago. But by launching our product and just talking to our users every single time, like we have a pretty robust user research process. We, we've learned that, you know, it's not only would, be, would it be very hard to do, but it probably wouldn't be scalable. And if it's not scalable, it's not going to be scalable for our community members mm -hmm. at the end. That of makes the sense. Yeah. Yeah. If you, got, if you guys kind of in the early in the early stages, is there a kind of sweet spot with how sharded you should make a specific um, deposit vault or is there like a rate limiting factor on um, a specific amount of capital? Like what what's what what does that look like or does it is it completely open ended? It's uh, it's completely open ended, man. Like there, like the uh, the theoretical limit is we run out of NFTs to purchase on the open market, right? <laughs> well, like. $8 billion in deposits. I'm pretty sure we're not going to be there next month, right? <laughs> um, so there isn't technically an open, uh, there isn't like a, a hard stop practically for a we one. Uh, and initially, like the, the first user flow or the user journey was like really focused on imitating the Mint experience with uh with like a mint page, with information, with a reveal period, et cetera, which is really cool. We like obtained a tremendous amount of insights from that and, you know, build a community around that. But two days ago, we did open up the floodgates and people can deploy capital any single time. And how we kind of see it is that, hey, you know, it's like a, it's a huge bear for NFTs right now. Like it's even more bearish for NFTs uh, relative to the rest of DeFi or any other kind of on-chain financial activity with the exception of some specific categories such as LSD. And this is like the right time, uh, even if we're going to be launching a V2, it will they'll operate slightly differently. Uh, this is like the right time to get that spa exposure to JPEGs because, uh, well, you can, you know, it's it, it's really easy to do so on insert. And secondly, it's, it's, it's a lot more cheap than buying whole pieces on the secondary market, plus you get yield on top. So if you buy a lot of shards right now, if you get that exposure, uh, you're going to be uh, ready to profit off of that once the market cycle changes. Yeah, and what's the um, what's the kind of time duration situation like on, on that? So is it is it epoch based? Is it how kind of how often could users like deposit and, and withdraw? Like, what does the kind of time duration mm -hmm. aspect of that look like? Um, so currently for the shard vault mechanism, once the vault has been filled out, you cannot withdraw your capital because you get uh, an 1155 position representation. So your product pro rata ownership of, of the uh, underlying asset that's held within the contracts container. Um, but with the pools feature that we've launched two days ago, you can put in capital if you need, like, uh, to get some liquidity to execute some kind of trade, you can do that at any single time, uh, up until the moment where that capital has not reached a specific threshold, where we're just turning it into 1155 positions again. So you can put in money, you can take it out, but there is like an event horizon where it's, you know, turned into transformed into uh, an 1155 position that represents an underlying asset or a basket of underlying assets. Nice. That makes a lot of sense. Where, um, I asked this, I asked the spice guys, this, this question as well, where, where do you think in the life cycle of this whole emerging sector of kind of NFT finance, what, where, where do you think we're at? If you could compare it to some kind of previous cycle that we've seen in crypto, is it like pre 2017, is it pre PFPs? Like, what, where, where is it in its own kind of miniature life cycle, in your opinion? Hmm. Good question. Um, Stephen, what are your thoughts? Um, you know, I, I like to gam gamble more on uh, the asset itself versus like <laughs> trying to use DeFi products because most of the time I can't make money, but. I, I think when I look at NFTs, I think that definitely the ICO phase, some ETH, then 
And, uh, you know, like back in the day, you can just find any image and Google images and minted for like five grand, like the same day. Right. So <laughs> I think that that phase is behind us. I think people are kind of itching for some kind of utility in, in NFT finance, but, um, if history is an indicator, we find that a lot of DeFi protocols, especially like early on, like, uh, I didn't want to start dropping names, but we find that a lot of DeFi protocols start solving for issues that never even persisted in the market. And a lot of these founders got really wealthy and just, you know, fucked off for, for two years. Mm. So I hope that doesn't happen with NFT finance, but I'm part of me is very bullish on whoever can solve the, uh, you know, the utility side of things. Um, yeah, I think we're like, uh, like, in the compound maker dad days right now, post uh, post initial ICO era, when it comes to developing infrastructure and tooling that doesn't have an intermediation aspect. Um, and I think the core difference here is I don't think we're going to see I, I know a lot of people are hoping for that and a lot of people are betting for that, but I don't think we're going to see like the kind of like 2020, 2021 kind of like polarity uh, when it comes to NFTs or defining. But there were a lot of like exogenous factors, external circumstances, you know, free money by the government, right? Zero <laughs> environment, the people being locked in their fucking homes for months on end that kind of like incentivized that absolute clarity insanity which is amazing it actually led to uh, a tremendous amount of liquidity uh, a huge liquidity influx which uh, has been tremendously beneficial for innovation what i believe what's going to happen over time and i know a lot of folks in the nft lending space are betting on this is uh, in contrast to shit coins, that there is something, and we're already seeing some indicators of that, where uh, where NFTs could actually be uh, one of the key technologies by which we offer uh, folks the ability to interact on chain and participate in the on chain economy without it just necessarily being trading, right? So we already see things like music royalties. We see financial NFTs, we see centrifuge representing uh, certain uh, assets within their temp protocol using NFTs, which is a very niche case, but still an indicator of that. Um, and look, to be fair, like how many users do we have at NFT Fi right now? Well, like 5,000 or 7,000, like I would have to say weekly average users, it's really not a lot. But I think a lot of the infrastructure that we're building out right now over time can be scaled and I wouldn't necessarily say used across the chasm, but definitely offer things uh, to people who aren't necessarily interested in trading financial assets, but just want to use cool technology that, you know, saves them money or lets them have fun. Uh, that's kind of like what we're betting on. Uh, not speculative trading cycles when it comes to products themselves, but hey, can our, our products offer people the chance to, you know, uh, uh, you know, save money or have fun or, you know, stimulate themselves or, you know, engage in other kind of activities that, that just makes them happy. Mm. Where, where do you think that core user base currently is is coming from? Is it more the, the DeFi crowd? Is it more the NFT crowd? And do you think that kind of spectrum or balance awaiting flips going forward? Like what, what are you guys seeing? Um, I have to say it's primarily NFT people, not DeFi people, um, to a rather by a rather large margin. I don't think that will flip. Uh, I think the audiences are quite separate. There is, you know, kind of like this. Uh, yeah, there. Are, there's definitely more NFT people using NFT five protocols than DeFi people, right? There's a lot of other narratives that you know. If you're not necessarily interested in NFTs, but interested in DeFi, that you can potentially check out, you know, everything that's happening with uh, liquid staking derivatives, all of those multiple layers upon these, right? I think like hardcore DeFi people that just, you know, want to deal with the world of absolute math and no culture, they have other products they can engage with. So I don't mm -hmm. think it's really going to flip. I think what's going to happen over time is, you know, uh, if, 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 
if, if NFT Phi just if we keep on doing the things that we're doing for like the next six months or a year, we're gonna and everybody's gonna end up asking their question, uh, asking the question, hey, so we all ha we have this user base of 20, 30,000 people. So where do we go next, right? How do we make this technology make sense for people that you know might not be, uh, you know, just hardcore NFT traders? Mm, that makes that makes an and I think sense. we lost Hansai. It says uh, their device is not connected, so maybe their internet's dropped off. Uh, All right. uh, there we go. Are you back? Welcome back. <laughs> oh, can you guys hear me? I thought I just disconnected for a second. <laughs> yeah, can hear you now. Can hear you. Cool. Now. Cool. Um, so I'd love to kind of pick your brain on because I'm I'm definitely more. DeFi oriented, but obviously like to dip, dip my feet in um, the whole NFT DeFi space. But I'd love to kind of pick your brain and see what you're kind of thinking about the current um, landscape, particularly with lending. And obviously, we've seen Blend, and even off the back of that, I think Binance have been spun up their own version of whatever that is of NFT lending. Um, is the, is the blend product good? What's what's your kind of opinion on that? Is there additional more DeFi native protocols that you prefer to use, or you think they've got a better product market fit? Or what's what's the kind of how you guys think about that? Mm, I think a lot of people on Blend are uh, are getting wrecked, <laughs> but, uh, but uh, and getting wrecked as well, right? <laughs> Look, there's like 26 lending protocols out there. I'm serious. Uh, that's the last count that I did. Uh, <laughs> there's a few of them who have generated significant amounts of volume. Right? With, uh, I think uh, I'd have to check out my my Dune dashboards, but usually, if I'm not mistaken, right now it's still Bendow, it's still uh, Paris Space, and it might be Blend in terms of volume. And of course, the good old NFT Fi, simply because a lot of Lenders just, you know, are used to using it as a settlement layer. Um, but the problem with NFT lending right now is it's like what? Once again, it's it's like 2,000, 3,000 weekly act active users or even monthly active users. I don't think most of these lending platforms are going to survive simply because, it you know, we already see that user bases are consolidating on like the top five like lending primitives. And, and uh, I think they're doing great in terms of our user experience. And uh, the good thing about this is, is, is that over time, as these top five primitives compete with each other, the lending rates are going to become uh, a little bit better, which will encourage more people to take out loans against their NFTs, right? Because the only reason why you would take out a loan against your JPEG is if you want to do leveraged spot trades, right? Because the lending rates, there's really no other way how you could potentially use that money. Um, so yeah, I think lending is an interesting sector to watch, uh, but it's extremely saturated. Uh, there's 25 different pods that you can go check out and use. And I'd encourage everybody to check out every single one of them and see what they like the best. I have my personal favorites. Uh, and I think I already, you know, kind of mentioned them previously, but yeah, I think lending is a very interesting vertical, but we're definitely going to see consolidation there over the next few months. A lot of folks are not going to make it. What um so, given this is this will be out on the eighth. How much can you tell us about this this season one campaign and what people should be um, aware of, just straight from the source, effectively? Sure. So we're going to be launching a new system, and hopefully in mid August, uh, which. Uh, we're gonna. I don't want to talk too much about, it, but what we're, we're what we're doing up until then is showing off like an indicator as a feature of what the system will be able to do in the future. So we have three seasons, and season one is focused on pool deposits, and this is something that might actually be interesting to uh, native, more more DeFi oriented users rather than NFT uh, minters and traders. Is it's very very simple. You have a pool open pools that are agnostic, collection-specific pools, and other type of pools that have different kind of attributes. You select the pool with the attributes that you want. You put in money there, voila. Uh, in a day or two, you will have 
you will have minted 1155 possessions representing your pro rod exposure to um, the, the collections that you wanted exposure to. You don't have to wait for a new wall to be spun up. You don't have to wait for any of those things. And what we're doing at, for the for seasons one is for every uh, 0.10 ETH deposit that the user makes, they accrue insert points. And users will be able to carry on those points through season one, season two, and season three. And at the end of season three, uh, we will be providing a community reward. On top of that, uh, we do have a utility NFT that people are already using to unlock features within our existing product. But uh, all of our uh, NFT, Don of Insert utility NFT holders will uh, receive a special surprise as well. So what we want to do with the Seasons campaign is educate and highlight new features that we're launching on the protocol and incentivizing folks to interact with them. Awesome. So what are, um, what are you guys kind of expecting to come off of the Season campaign? What's, what's the main draw you want? additional liquidity, additional user base, and hopefully use the rewards as kind of a, how do you frame it? Similar to kind of like a, a customer acquisition cost. People come, they use it, they try it out with the prospect of the rewards coming, and then hopefully they like the product and stick around. Is that, is that the kind of like end goal here? Yeah, it's, it's, uh, probably just want to introduce our audience to, um, we want to expand our audience. Uh, we have a great community. We just want to make it bigger. And we want to showcase how that next system we're launching at least show hints of how it will work. And by the time that we launch our new system in a few months, which will be radically, radically different from the Shardwolf mechanism, but will basically carry on the same, add the same utility or add the same value in the Simply, no, I would have to say a more streamlined way. Uh, we already have, will have a healthy community around the protocol. People will have innate knowledge, practical knowledge of what they can do on the protocol. And uh, it, we're basically, I think we're just going to be growing parabolic, parabolically from day one. That's kind of like the, the intent behind the seasons campaign from you know a self-interested perspective. But in terms of adding value to the community is, you know, we just want more people to know what insert is all about and, you know, get value along the way. And uh, so each, each, each season, will that be kind of directed to effectively incentivizing people to try out a new yes. kind of rollout of the product? Yeah. 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 It's like a, every season will have a new feature, right? So pools are for season one. So season one launched two days ago with uh, the launch of the pools and uh, season two should start in approximately a month where we launch another feature. And then season three is, you know, our new system or our V2 is pretty much ready and you will be kind of be able to better test that already, right? So interact with that protocol in a slightly more limited way, but still accrue those instant points for that community reward later down the line. So, what what I'm kind of seeing in, in the in the DeFi space with a lot of people who've I don't know the Aves, the Curves of the world, um, and even some of the smaller protocols now, it's it looks like they're all as much as they've been for and pro composability and kind of collaboration. It looks like a lot of people are starting to just build a lot of the suite of the products in-house now so what what do you how do you guys kind of think about that is obviously the different iterations and different developments and different products that you guys push out are you guys more of a we'll kind of build shit in-house we'll just build on our own stack we'll have our own internal composability or would it be more we're going to kind of head to the market with one or two different types of products and then try and just leverage what other people have already built like how do you kind of think about the collaboration and composability aspect of, of insert so the Sharwell, the mechanism that we have now cannot exist with uh, without uh, integration or composability with other primitives or products, right? The mm -hmm. only original thing about the Sharwell are effectively two functions in the smart contract, which is the container or the simple vault uh, contract, as we call it. And secondly, the, uh, the contract that emits or mints the 1155 position. The rest of the stuff on a contracts basis 
is, 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 is facilitated through our primitive partners. Uh, our next system is going to be a little bit different, right? We're actually just focusing on a relatively simple primitive. And most of the meat on the bones it will be in the user experience and the front-end experience, right? But because it's going to be a very simple primitive, uh, what we hope that over time is that we'll be able to ensure that people will be able to uh, build on top of us uh, and, and, and uh, that we can unlock a few interesting things from the price feeds that we will facilitate that might be helpful for lending primitives, that might even be helpful for uh, hopeful for um, volatility underwriting as well. It's uh, we just will be able to talk more about that in approximately, I would have to say, four or five weeks, as <laughs> as, as as the mechanism design is you know in a completely ready state, and we'd be you know at that point comfortable taking it and showing it to the public. Nice. So um. I seen there was the announcement of of the res. Like, what was that process like? Particularly, how horrendous the markets have been, and what was uh, what can you tell us about that? Is it a bit of an arduous process? Was it pretty plain sailing? I know there was a lot of good projects that we work with that are, um, you know, they were they were really struggling at one point, um, which is kind of sad to say. But yeah, what was what was that whole process like? Um, honestly, it wasn't really that hard. Um, we already had soft commitments from great angel investors, I would have to say, already last summer. And the, after launching the MVP, we just started talking to people and we closed around approximately in a month and a half. It wasn't necessarily hard. It was, we just wanted to make sure that, you know, some really good Credible investors joined their cap table as well, such as Hashkey, which we accomplished. And yeah, we're, we absolutely feel happy about the pre-seed. But, you know, uh, it's uh, the process itself isn't, you know, it wasn't hard. Like we knew that we were going to close the round and was actually oversubscribed. We initially didn't intend to raise 2.2 million for a pre-seed. We were actually aiming around 1.8 million. Uh, because, you know, it's a pre-seed round rather than a seed round. We'll be raising a seed round a little bit later this year. Uh, but, you know, fundraising, uh, you know, it sucks. It's like eating glass every single fucking day. <laughs> uh, yeah. and, and when I fundraise and I've, you know, raised for other things before, not just in a VC context, but in a general uh, deal-making context, it's, you know, you, you kind of know that you need to, like, you know, stock up on your – uh, on your diet Red Bulls and your diet Cokes so you're <laughs> until 6 a.m. and respond to messages on Telegram from Asian VCs like 5 a.m. and, you know, your girlfriend's telling you to go to bed and that you're uh, <laughs> an asshole for not letting her sleep. It's like it's not even a full-time job. It's just like a 120-hour week hustle. But if you put in the time and, you know, if, 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 you, if that is the number one thing that you should be working on right now, you just want to you know, just you have to put in the work, man. It's not easy. But uh, yeah. if you have the prerequisites, then you know it's not smooth sailing, but it gives you a sense of certainty. Yeah, there's there's so many kind of smart smart people building in this space as well. Now, I, I kind of I, I can see where like the intellectual curiosity is coming from and why people are wanting to build in this space, and because it's so so new and there's so many kind of problems to solve it's just um it just feels like a lot of smart people are really focused on this problem um and i know we've touched upon kind of pfps and you've mentioned like music nfts and um i just i just like to think about how aside from pfps what would you kind of love to see on insert in the future is there any kind of i don't know i'm thinking kind of in-game items because you've seen a lot of shit like going for ridiculous amounts of money in, in that world. Is there any other kind of aspects of using NFTs like you'd love to see on insert as opposed to just BFVs? Um, fundamentally, when we like zoom out and, and look at where the space is heading over the next five or seven years, like, you know, every single creator creating something that's digital will be representing their creation by an NFT. Uh, fundamentally, what is an NFT? An NFT is just like a bunch of metadata, right? But, you know, uh, the way we use them 
and the benefits of building on open blockchains, it opens up so many doors. So <laughs> in terms of very immediate things, um, look, I'm not a fan of, of, of this like hyper ledger style. Let's, you know, uh, you know, bring the securitization stack on chain kind of stuff <laughs> primarily hasn't worked. And it's kind of like the first idea that, that if you work ever worked in investment banking and if you want to get into crypto or DeFi, it's like the first idea of a product that comes to everybody's mind. Like everybody. <laughs> everyone has the same idea. <laughs> yeah, everybody. Everybody has the same idea. Like I, I remember back in 2018, I was like in the Starbucks in London and I was like drawing up the mechanism for like, hey, like this is going to change change securitization. Right? <laughs> this is going to like uh, improve, improve, improve the spreads by, by, by a couple of basis points. But if you look at it, scale is going to make everybody a lot of money. And then, you know, just meet people in the space and people have been thinking about this, um, you know, back in 2015 and 2016. And, you know, there's definitely a lot of cool stuff being done on the institutional side. But what I think is what NFTs are going to be what, what what they will facilitate is really like internet native, digital native creativity and ownership, right? So digital art is going to be absolutely huge. We haven't even seen the start, right? This this is just the beginning, and we've already seen more than thirteen or fourteen billion in digital collectibles being generated in just two and a half years, which is absolutely insane. And uh, I think. What we're going to see, the pre primarily three verticals where we're going to see a lot of cool stuff coming out is still digital art, which is the primary vertical. Definitely gaming, especially with things like, I don't know, A16C investing into uh, CCP Games, which is the which is the creator of EVE Online, uh, a pretty old MMO that I played back in the day, right? So all of these old MMO companies are coming into the... Uh, uh, coming into crypto, coming into NFTs, and I'm pretty sure that their in-game economies will be able to ensure composability with other systems in the space. I'm pretty sure they're going to build on on uh, uh, they're not going to build on a private chain. Um, so how I kind of like see this, it's not even like important to think about the particular verticals that are going to happen. It's just hey, we have the technology to facilitate almost everything, but how do we get more people onboarded to the space so that there's sufficient demand that will incentivize entrepreneurs or incumbent companies to actually originate these kind of assets or create this kind of cool stuff on chain, right? I think the demand side problem is the biggest, right? We're not really onboarding as much people as we should to NFTs to get that innovation flywheel kicking off. Oh, hentai, I think I've been hawking the mic for the past <laughs> I've been going on my philosophical uh, diatribes. Like, uh, I don't want to shut you shut you out of the conversation, man. No, don't worry, Joe. I love hearing your rants too. It's uh, I always I always I always learn something too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm glad I'm glad you have that kind of stance on it as well. Because what we've seen with the kind of GameFi industry, if we can even even call it that, I don't even think it's even got anywhere close to off the ground. It's it needs to be game first, right? It can't just be fucking yield farming with a couple of extra. Really? on top. You know, it's like, and that that's like, Krabat is not going to onboard the next fucking million people into the space or 10 million people or 100 million people. So it's nice to see those, you know, people who are actually building game first and then use that as a Trojan horse to get them kind of onboarded with NFTs and abstract away the layer of all the stupid fucking complexities that we're using. Like, you're not going to get people onboarded to the numbers that we say we are with MetaMask, it's not going to happen <laughs> as much as I'd like yeah. it to happen. Um, so it has to be game first, and I'm kind of glad other people are bringing this up as well. We should be shouting it from the rooftops, in my uh, opinion. Uh, I want to tell you a story in consensus this year. I was talking to one of our investors, and he's like, uh, originally, uh, he, uh, I forgot where he was from, but, you know, it's like, he's been in this space for quite a while, extremely well-connected, etc. And he was like, he he was complaining about deal flow, uh, lack of quality uh, deal flow, a lot of noise, even in 2023. But at the same time, he was like, 
at least it's not like 2021 where every every single day you receive a new deck of a new product, which, which is just like an Axie reskin. So one of the deck has like a monkey theme. The other one has a dragon theme. The other one has a, a rodent theme. But at the end of the day, it's all the same fucking shit because uh, you had a world back in 2020, 2021, where uh, as a relatively smart person you can spin up a protocol or a company or a token and you can make like three or five million and just you know get the hell out of dodge and uh there definitely was an environment where you could have done that and incentivized a lot of people to just you know think of absolutely anything without really thinking about the potential of product market fit and right now what we're seeing is that you know that world is kind of dead man for regulatory reasons and for a lot of other reasons so anybody who actually wants to build something that's going to make a lot of money uh and add value to the world you have to think about fundamentals and to tie that back into what you you know mentioned about gaming yeah most of the gamify stuff is horrendous it's been it's been terrible so far uh what i what i'm excited about are Things that, you know, actual real games, true experiences, RPGs or FPSs where you can really use non-fungible tokens as a way to represent ownership in those in-game economies, right? And what would I would feel terrible about is if, like, the stuff that we're currently seeing applied for... Um, applied by on, on the GAI side in gaming that would outrun or exceed the kind of like tailwinds for innovation that we have in crypto in terms of what we can add to the gaming industry. Right. But, and, you know, it's just, you know, there are bear markets are good for people actually thinking straight and thinking about how they can add value to their users. That's the simplest way to put it. So yeah, I completely agree with you, man. Yeah. Is there, is there any, any products that you guys are seeing in, in the in that in that sector that are really, you know, that might actually have something here, or is it still a little bit too early? Do you think? No, I think it's. I haven't seen much. Uh, I am ex and I am excited about the deal that A16Z did with CCP Games. I really hope they don't build on a private chain because those guys definitely know how to build in-game economies, and they've been building and designing one from almost 20 years now. Uh, what I'm more interested in, what I've been observing outside of PFPs for NFTs, uh, outside of like the altcoins or shitcoins with a picture thesis is there's a company called Another Block offering access to marquee artist music royalties. Royals kind of tried to do the same, but they really didn't get the escape velocity. These guys have built out a more NFT native user experience. Plus, it's a lot more distracted. I think that's that's relatively cool. And we've been seeing uh, folks building, you know, Substack or content writing creators with uh, NFTs as participation prizes or as tokens of community membership. I think uh, those are the kind of things where I see more folks experimenting with on the product side. And ultimately, those kind of assets allow for a tremendous amount of composability simply because, you know, it's not just composability from a contrast perspective. You can actually find, you know, you can mark those assets to market. And, you know, you can trade them like cult coins, but they're not just, you know, fucking PFPs. Hmm. If, if I was to throw a theory around if A16 are involved with that gaming company you were, you were speaking about, I kind of think if you follow the money back, Coinbase have decided to build on the OP stack because there's a huge A16Z influence there. And if Wait. I was to kind of if I was to kind of put two and two together, I'd probably forecast a world where they probably potentially use the OP stack to build out their own gaming infrastructure using using that. If A16Z ever got anything to say about it. <laughs> I think that's a pretty good guess. Uh that would be unfortunate. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully that can be completely abstracted away by something like layer zero uh, yeah. socket yeah. or something like that. So yeah, they <laughs> I I don't I'm not sure if I played their new game if that's the case. <laughs> They've got to pump their own bags. So. <laughs>
those those OP unlocks aren't just gonna. Um, they need they need, the, they need those large catalysts. They got World Coin on board. They got Bedrock. They got Build on Bears, and now they've got a fucking huge unlock. So <laughs> we don't have a lot of time. Left. In the book. I actually wanted to uh, hentai. How how did you like consensus in Austin? Like I, I, what? Like maybe we can just tell a funny story about you know the Insert Labs team so that the folks listening can get to know us better. What did you like the most oh, about the cover? Yeah, um, I like how as a team, the first thing we all wanted to do was just go straight to the shooting range, start shooting guns. It's kind of like <laughs> it's kind of like the, the people who we are. But yeah, consensus was great. I think uh, that was our first real onsite as a team. Um, we spent about a week, about a week together, just uh, just drinking and, and doing uh, Texas stuff, barbecue, shooting guns. It was it was great. Yeah, it was uh, the thing that sticks out to me the most is. On uh, the close, like the closing night for consensus, uh, Hashkey and if I'm not mistaken, DYD Axter were organizing like a, a party at an Austin nightclub. And you know, Hashkey is one of our we're a Hashkey portfolio company, so they invited me to like this kind of like open bar kind of thing an hour before. <laughs> I hope nobody from Hashkey's listening. Dangerous. <laughs> uh, so I, uh, sorry, yeah, uh, Sunny Mia, forgive me. Uh, <laughs> For, for, for this <laughs> so uh, one of our advisors who's a, a, an Austin native so it's like an hour before the main event and one of our advisors he's not on the list right so <laughs> I went up to security guards I'm like uh, and there's like this poster with all the hash key portfolio companies and I just you know point a finger at insert and I'm like hey because you're like this is one of our key advisors could you let him <laughs> alright we go in and apparently he had like a lot of friends there on the VC side so that was pretty cool but then the problem was that every everybody else from the team was coming to the club and there was like this huge line and I, I, I just I just, I just couldn't convince the security guards to let them in so there's like this wall by the open bar. So there's like this, if you go straight from the line, you have the main entrance where you have like eight security guards. But if you turn left, you have the open bar area and there's kind of like this wall. So what we did is just, you know, kind of like uh, uh, locked eyes with, with, with Punter, who's our, who's our CTO head of product. And he just waved people to come over the fence and we vaulted the entire team <laughs> uh, into the, apparently the best nightclub in Austin, into the VIP open bar area. And we managed to sneak them in without, uh, without them paying a ticket or waiting two hours in a fucking line. That was probably the highlight of Austin. That was, that was absolutely amazing. I'm pretty lucky it didn't get kicked out. Yeah, if you're, if, if you're thinking about investing in a, a- a protocol or a project and they're not up to this kind of debauchery then um yeah you need to think again <laughs> that's, that's what you want your team to be doing up to no fucking good at conferences have you got any uh and so i'm pretty sure you'll have some i was speaking to pancakes bar recently and we were we were thinking about conference cheat codes to kind of maximize the experience and we were both saying like you never buy a conference ticket you just do the side quests but i'd love to hear if there's any cheat codes that you've stumbled upon over the past couple of years yeah um yeah like never buy a conference ticket i think we all know that one now um i think loris and, and punter and i experienced that in uh in singapore last year in token 2049 it was just a huge waste of money going to the actual event like if, if people want to make actual good deal flow and meet really cool people it's you're always gonna meet them at the after parties right so me and that's where going, the, that's where the stuff there, as well yeah if you're going to an event just fade the actual events maybe fade a lot of the day events too and just go straight to the afters i disagree with that for one primary <laughs> reason and if you're smart you can uh make up the money that you paid for the conference ticket by just walking around the conference area and asking for all the merch that you can possibly ask <laughs> I like 40 fucking t-shirts i have a, a circle t-shirt like six uh, six auditing companies, hash key t-shirts. I have uh, a GSR t-shirt. Hentai has, I think, a GSR trucker hat. Uh, so I think that you can earn that money back, but you're definitely not going to meet people there. <laughs> yeah, I also recommend people, um, if they do want to go to a conference, they try to go out to Asia before they do uh, an American trip. Yeah. <clears throat> Are you going to be at any this year? I think we're going to try and host a 
unofficial side event at Token 2049. I know it's going to fucking kill us with the bar bill at the end, but um, we just want to get a bit messy with everyone. And so, so if you're yeah. there, then obviously more than welcome to come along. Yeah, do you know my stance? I love it on that side of the world. I would really like to get a team offsite in like Bali. Oh, come down. I'll show you around. Yeah. <laughs> no, wait, t- uh, 2049, it's in Singapore again, right? Yeah, yeah. Yep. <laughs> Good times. Feels like there's too many rules in Singapore, though, to really let you head out. Should be in fucking Bangkok or somewhere like that. <laughs> Singapore is so expensive. <laughs> like, seriously, it's like crazy, crazy expensive. It's it, 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 it's insane. Like, uh, uh, but um, I, like it's one of the most well-run cities I've ever seen in my entire life. It was actually my first mm-hmm. time in Singapore last year. I took token twenty forty-nine. I think it was uh, your first time as well, right? Anti. Yeah, yeah, my first time. It was it was weird. It's such a well-organized society, but you can kind of like feel like this undercurrent of. Wow. I don't know. Kind of, kind of like yeah. feel that you know, people are people are doing weird shit right around the corner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I walk I walk past an Irish bar and everyone was drinking pints of Guinness, and I was like, um, "Where I live, you can't, you can't get pints of Guinness." So I was like, "Shit, I haven't had a pint I haven't had a pint in so long." And I was like, "There must be a, there must be a, like a happy hour deal on because everyone was drinking it." So I go to the bar, go I'll, I'll just pint of Guinness, please. She's like, "Okay." And it's effectively like 25 US dollars for a pint. And I was like, fuck, I'm going to sit here for the next two hours and nurse this pint because it's <laughs> absolutely ridiculous. Dude, that's yeah. me in New York right now. It's, it's ridiculous how expensive it is to get a drink now. Is that is that similar, similar sort of price? Yeah. 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 For like a, dude, for like a uh, martini, it's like 20, 25 bucks most places I go to now. Fucking hell. I hope you make it last. <laughs> I remember when I first flew in New York, I don't know, like ten or nine years ago, and uh, uh, and 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 yeah, you know, I, I lived there for a couple of weeks, and I literally quit smoking there. So I started smoking fifteen <laughs> or fourteen years old, right? And uh, I literally quit there because you know I wasn't going to pay like twenty dollars for like a pack. That just seemed ridiculous to me. Yeah, I need to start smoking to get off these fucking elf bar verbs. They're absolutely killing me. It's oh, that's, oh man, me too. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's my new addiction, right? Um, <laughs> I have a Norwegian homie that sends me like snus, which is like, you know, kind of like this chewing tobacco, but it's not disgusting because you don't have to spit all the time. Uh, <laughs> addicted to that. Uh, and then all the fucking elf bars, yeah. <laughs> but nicotine is a nootropic it enhances your focus and your cognitive capabilities so that's something that we can use to cope yeah i tell myself that and then reaching over for it first thing in the morning and last thing at night so i think i've got a real problem <laughs> you got some like malibu reds or something like really strong cigarettes to put me off the, fa- the taste of it for the rest of my life yeah dude I-, I brought a bunch of cigarettes from tokyo here in new york and i just hand them out now <laughs> so wait to it. Yeah. Gents, is there anything? <laughs> Sorry, I was gonna no, talk go about. Go uh, I didn't know that Texas had legalized certain forms of THC. Um, and, and I got like this, got this vape uh, from the like the just dude who was selling it out of his truck. And literally, <laughs> sounds legit. <laughs> it was literally the best. It was some of the be- one of the best highs I've ever had because there was like no body high at all. Is that like head high? And I know the hentai loved it as well. I'm, I'm not too sure if it's illegal. <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about. I wasn't there. You're in California. You're in California, right? No, no Texas. <laughs> yeah, Thailand. Thailand have just opened it all up, all legalized. So um, there's a booming industry over there. I walked past a place that was. Designed like a Willy Wonka factory, but for for weed. <laughs> yeah, dude, it's it's crazy how much like the city's changed in the in the past year. It's just uh, I feel like when I went there last year in August, you didn't see any like trucks or little pop up trucks for for weed, but they're everywhere now. Yeah, I think everyone's gonna have to follow suit. Um, yeah. But gents, is there anything you wanna wanna leave us with? Where should, where can people find you, and what should they be? immediately on the lookout for this so bit bearing in mind this goes out on the 8th so in kind of two days from now um just follow us on twitter insert finance without an e put money into our pools 
you will <laughs> win once the bull market for NFT starts. It's really as simple as that. Awesome. Well, thanks, thanks both for jumping on. Um, I can imagine how busy you guys are, so I really appreciate it. And uh, if you're going to be in Singapore, let us know, and uh, we'll grab a few extremely expensive beers to go. <laughs> Sounds good, man. Cool. Thanks for having us, man. All right, you guys. All right. Take it easy, gents. See ya. All right.